Welcome to episode 448 of Salcedo Paranormal, and tonight I'm talking about mythology and the paranormal. As always, you can find all episodes of the show, along with links to social media and other ways to contact me at the podcast page, and that is salcedoparanormal.podbean.com. That's S-A-L-S-I-D-O paranormal.podbean.com. Always happy to hear from you all, whether you have comments or questions or topic suggestions or stories of paranormal experiences, whether they're your own or from others that you trust. Happy to either read those or have you join me on the show to talk about them. And uh, thank you all for listening, whether you are here for the live streams on Discord or if you listen on the podcast or YouTube feeds or on the Trouble Minds Radio Network, KUAP Digital Broadcasting. Um, there you can hear replays of two episodes of the show every night at 8 p.m. I'm not sorry, not 8 p.m. I'm thinking of the, the t- start time of the stream tonight. Uh, at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, right before Trouble Minds Radio comes on. And as always, I want to thank the host of Trouble Minds Radio, Michael Strange, and the host of uh, the Exiled Minds podcast, Liam Martin, for producing the show. And putting it up on the station as you hear it there. And if you'd like to support the show, there are some different ways to do that. You can always share the show with others and rate and review it on your podcast platform of choice. Also, I've written some paranormal fiction and nonfiction books you can check out on Amazon. And then if you'd like to um, support the show through uh, direct uh, donations, you can either do that monthly through uh, Patreon and get one extra episode of the show per month. Uh, that'll be a true paranormal stories from the web show. Um, or you can make a one-time donation through um, PayPal or Venmo. And um, and th- th- those all those ex- um, donations go towards uh, things like equipment and expenses like equipment and uh, research materials, and then travel expenses as well um, for different things I, I may go to in the future, including this year, the Mid-Michigan Paracon, and that's uh, at the um, Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort in Mount Pleasant, Michigan, this November 4th and 5th. It's a, a Saturday and Sunday. And I'll be there um, just to check out, out a Paracon for the first time and do some recordings uh, definitely of of myself, uh, with just my thoughts, but also uh, hopefully with some other people as well. We'll see when I get there. And uh, and then I'll do a show or two about my experiences uh, once I get back from that. So, um, and all help is always appreciated, never expected. Uh, but there, again, there are all these expenses. And uh, it's um, also regarding the uh, pay, uh, PayPal and Venmo, I'm sorry. I know those don't always work out for everyone, um, but uh, there are th- other apps I've looked into where you have to use the phone as well to get to them. And due to being legally blind, that is not uh, the best the best way or the easiest easiest thing to do to arrange um, regarding those different apps. So if you're wondering why, uh, I know there are other apps, uh, Cash App and other things, but um, the those require use of a phone as well, and I, I'm not able to really do that. 
So, anyway, just a quick note there for anyone who's curious about that. Um, but I think with that, I can get on to the show here. Now, um, this is the second show in a series of shows on mythological creatures. And at first, I thought it was going to be all figures from um, the ancient past. But I was looking into things, and uh, there are some that that continue... Uh, sightings of them continue to this day. So we'll, when we get to those, we'll talk about those. But, um, so yeah, and this has been a lot of fun to do this this uh, research for this so far. Of course, I use um, different uh, versions of AI to summarize the materials I find. So uh, I'll be, that's what I'll be reading from mostly here as I do this show tonight and every time I do one of these shows. So, let me get to the first one of these uh, that I'll talk about tonight. We'll see how many we can get through. Uh, the first one here uh, is the Basilisk. And uh, it's a mythical monster, a chimera with parts from a dragon, a serpent, and a rooster, so a bird. Uh, it's described as having a rooster's head, dragon wings, and a serpentine tail. So uh, they're known as extremely hostile and deadly to humans in multiple ways. It's gaze, breath, and venom, and hiss even, just the sound, can all kill. Uh, also leaves destruction in its path, harming plants, birds, and other even other serpents, which you would think it would not want to do that if it was anything sort of um, be neutral or nature related nature in its own way it says it has a few weaknesses like uh, uh, weasels who are immune to its gaze and the crowing of a rooster can kill it so it's part that's a that's an odd little detail there it's part that is part of the creature at least in some um, tellings of it or descriptions of it but the the uh, crowing of a rooster, the the regular, the known version or known animal, can kill this creature. Uh, also, looking at its own reflection is fatal. So, uh, it was likely inspired by cobras, actual snakes, which share some traits like rising up, the, raising up the front half of the body, having a hood that can look like a crown. Uh, spitting venom, and so on. And cobras live in Egypt, tying them back to uh, tying back to uh, some of the earliest myths regarding the basilisk. Uh, but it's also featured in myth, um, myth, mi medieval uh, bestiaries, so basically collections of um, information about these kinds of creatures and texts that study the natural world, uh, later became a symbol of evil in folklore, poetry, and biblical translations, commonly depicted in medieval and Renaissance art. So, that's the basic description. Uh, and then as far as the paranormal goes here, mentions that the basilisk is a, uh, basically can be a symbol of evil, um, 
And of course, we all know, even though I don't touch it or cover that a lot in the show, the paranormal can range from benign, from basically from um, positive to neutral to negative, all, all of those different things. So, uh, even though I don't cover the negative side of things, the the negative experiences um, they are there. I just uh, I don't cover them because so many other shows do, and that's not an automatic. Uh, put down of those shows. Some of them do it really well, and uh, sort of help people get through having gone uh, deal with having had those those negative experiences. Um, and then, of course, you have others where they're just using the negative experiences for shock value. So there's all, all different kinds of shows out there, of course. But um, so yeah, let me see here. Uh, this uh, transformation reflects the paranormal concept of creatures or entities taking on symbolic or allegorical meanings beyond their physical attributes. In the realm of the paranormal, certain mythical beings or creatures often become associated with uh, specific emotions, fears, or moral lessons, uh, transcending their original descriptions and taking on a deeper more mystical significance. And yeah, if you look into, um, I'm, I'm sure you could probably put in any animal type that you want online and search it in relation to um, mythology and uh, just sort of magic or whatever, um, symbolism, and you would find that. I've heard, I can't think of anything specific right now, but that does back to what I've encountered before looking into different things. Uh, this, the ability, the basilisk's, basilisk's ability to kill through its gaze, breath, venom, and hiss uh, ties it to the paranormal realm of deadly and supernatural powers. Um, so again, being able to kill through means that are either enhanced versions of what animals can do, or just through... Um, regular versions that have effects that, that they normally wouldn't have uh, when from the regular animals that uh, make up the, this creature. Uh, see, these powers often evoke fear and fascination, leading to their inclusion in various myths, legends, and paranormal stories throughout history. And that's the other thing, that's the thing I wanted to tie the series, um, all these these figures from uh, various points in the ancient past, even there's experiences today with people have with cryptids and other other creatures and beings and ent- entities that um, it seems like some of these these mythological beings, these these creatures that are said to be just made up, they exist somehow, whether it's through thought forms or there's actual spiritual versions or other dimensional versions of them. Hard to say, but um, that is something that will pop up again and again in this series, I think. And, of course, so, that, um, let's see, I think we've already go, gone over the whole connection to cobras. And so, really, it sounds like this basilisk is, is a more extreme, monstrous version of a cobra um, snake. And, again, cobras are an uh, actual natural creature as well, so... But, uh, yeah, so that's the first one I had to go over today. 
Uh, very, very uh, interesting one there. That's a figure I've heard about before. Also reminds me um, of maybe a figure we'll get to at a later date. Uh, the stare, the, the, the stare being able to kill someone. It's similar in a way to, um, based on what little I know of all these things, it's similar to uh, Medusa, the, that, that figure in mythology as well. So, anyway, uh, moving on to the next one here. Let me get back to the document. There we go. Okay. So this next one I'm going to mispronounce because it's from France. So I don't speak French. Uh, the Beast of Gavudan. Gavudan. Uh, but anyway, so this this was a mysterious wolf-like creature that killed between 60 and 200 people in that region of France in the 1760s. So when I first found sort of this um, website with all these different things, all these different mythological um, beings and creatures and things, I thought they were mainly going to stick to sort of um, just far, just really ancient uh, ideas and stories and things. But they, they really do... From what I can tell, they go th they go through a lot. They include a lot in there, which is really amazing. So uh, this had uh, traits of various animals: wolf, lion, hyena, bear, and others. Uh, it was described as very large, having reddish brown fur, long tail, and uh, small rounded ears. So apparently it surprised victims and often attacked in daylight. And then it goes into more um, graphic details about how it would kill people. That I will not go into here. Uh, it evaded capture by hunters. Um, and let's see here. Uh, the killings caused mass hysteria. The king at the time sent royal hunters, but the beast evaded them. Even large hunter hunting we see here. Large hunting parties were formed that killed, of course, several regular normal wolves after after because of this whole event. Uh, it says in 1765, a hunter killed a large wolf and claimed it was the beast, uh, presenting it presenting the body in court. But months later, months later. The killings resumed. Excuse me. Uh, in 1767, Jean, Jean, I'm not sure if it's Jean or Jean, uh, Castel uh, killed a beast, claiming to shoot it with silver bullets. Uh, and the killings then, then stopped. So that's um, probably one of the earliest versions that I know of anyway of the use of silver uh, to deal with potentially paranormal beings. Uh, theories for what it was include wolf-dog hybrid, striped hyena, a lion, a trained attack animal, or a serial killer's cover. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, 
it has inspired werewolf lore and other, of course, such fictional tales and monsters. Uh, and, but the identity remains a mystery today. So, um, of course, again, that already mentioned werewolves, uh, possibly this being an inspiration for some of those sightings in the future. And uh, also the, um, the idea of, let's see here, silver being used to kill the creature. It's, silver is thought to be effective against supernatural be- uh, beings, including werewolves. So, uh, and of course, because it was an unsolved mystery, it basically remained in the, um, the minds of the people there after that for many years. And so it, it sort of went into that as being part of, becoming part of what is unknown in this world as far as the paranormal goes and how it interacts with the real world. So, um, but that's basically, that's that one right there. And I thought that was neat. That was, that was a neat entry to have in this whole list here of um, something that, compared to ancient times, compared to like B- BC or any of that, 17, 17, the 1700s are not too far back. So, let me see here. One moment while I get some water. All right, so now this next one is really what got me thinking about how this website that I found, which is um, mythology.net. Um, one thing I like about it is it does include different creatures from um, that, that are even seen to this day. Uh, so that, that's really amazing to me because before I started this, I, I had heard the, the term mythology used to describe more um just stories of of events and um so i hadn't really heard of thought of that as being something that continues to today so um and of course this next one and we've talked about it in a few different episodes of the show before with other guests and um so i'm not going to, to do a lot on this topic here but the next one that is brought up in this uh, the site here is Bigfoot. And so Bigfoot is, uh, again, going based off of this AI uh, summary here. Bigfoot is a legendary creature that has been part of folklore of indigenous cultures in North America for a long time. Uh, it is described as a large, hairy, ape-like creature that lives in the woods. The first written records of Bigfoot encounters from Native Americans date back to the 1920s in Canada. I guess that's the first written record records, but I don't know. I feel like there there may have been others before, and this might be the summary might be inaccurate there. Um, let me see here. So mentions a teacher that. Uh, uh, that heard stories and recorded the stories that you heard from uh, native tribes about encounters with giant wild men that they called Sasquatch. 
So uh, the name Bigfoot, it says here, originated in 1958 when large mysterious footprints were found at a construction site in California. This gained media attention and drew many Bigfoot hunters, in quotation marks there, to search for the creature. Uh, descriptions of Bigfoot from alleged sightings characterize it as 6 to 10 feet tall. I have heard stories of even maybe taller than 10 feet here and there. Uh, covered in hair and walking upright on two legs, but with an unusual gait compared to humans. Now also, there have been some stories I've heard uh, about similar, probably uh, similar and or the same creatures being able to move on all fours um, just as easily as on two, on, on, the, on the basically two feet. It says there's a debate around whether Bigfoot shows signs of intelligence. Uh, I think uh, you all probably guess where I'm at as far as that goes. Um, stories suggest they are adept at avoiding humans, but also exhibit curious behaviors like stealing food. Their demeanor ranges from docile to aggressive in different accounts, and that is very true. Uh, two of the most famous pieces of Bigfoot evidence are the 1958 footprints, footprints and the 1967 Patterson-Gimlin film, but both have been surrounded by controversy and accusations of being hoaxes. Uh, says skeptics believe Bigfoot legends stem from a human propensity for mythical thinking, a need to explain the unknown, or simply just hoaxes and misidentification. Others think the legends could represent extinct primates, like, oh boy, Gigantopithecus? There we go. Um... So let's see here. The uh, so let's see here. There's a, of course this um, summary continues. It mentions that uh, again about connections between folklore and mythology. Basically, these creatures being known and talked about for many for a long time. <laughs> um, also, its mysterious and elusive nature. That's sort of what gives rise to these ideas that. They may not just be um, regular animals or creatures in the, the physical sort of mainstream sense where either they are, but they also have other abilities where they can disappear or camouflage. Or even when they disappear, it's whether it's a camouflage thing or if they do actually go through portals or just teleport um, or go into other levels of reality. So there's there's all different um, all different debate on what these creatures are and what they can do and can't do and all those things. So um, let's see here. So yeah, I think that basically covers most everything here. Um, let's see here. Mentions that uh, it's. So let's see here. So uh, the summary here does mention it's important to note that the paranormal aspect of Bigfoot is largely associated with the creature's elusive nature 
and the unexplained mystery surrounding its existence, which is in a way true. Um, because again, like you said, like I said, there's these this idea that they're just regular physical creatures that have a regular explanation. But then you have so many stories of them, again, vanishing or um, changing shape or there being them being sighted near UFO sightings, um, orbs, sightings of orbs changing into them or them changing into orbs, I believe. Uh, all different things. So, And we are already out of time. I lost track of time there. So thank you all for listening. And I will talk to you all on the next episode of Salcedo Paranormal. Take care.